Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 229 of the Canadian Football Countdown. A proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Ryan and Adam with you here this evening. We're going to preview week 18 in the CFL, take a look at major storylines from around the league this week, uh, make our betting picks for each of the games that have odds available. Stay tuned for more on that. Uh, and also take a look at fantasy players to watch or not to watch uh, this week in the CFL. Uh, Adam, how are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, Ryan. Uh Starting to get a little cooler outside. Definitely the weather's starting to change into the more football playoff kind of weather. And uh, yeah, it's uh, going to be a busy season right away here. You got all the sports running and uh, it's cool to see the CFL is starting to wind down to uh, get into the real playoff mode. So some exciting stuff coming up down the road here. So. Yes, very excited about the upcoming playoffs. I feel like we're in that uh, time at the end of the regular season. You know, we're getting into some playoff scenarios mode, which we're going to talk about all of the ones for this week coming up. Playoff spots are locked in. Some teams are getting close to getting eliminated. I'm ready for the playoffs to come. I'm ready for the excitement of that. Uh, but there is some exciting football to be played over the next couple of weeks as well. And some really fun matchups, I think this week uh we are also live on a variety of different platforms here tonight thanks to presenting sponsor game time tv which you can learn more about at gametimetv.ca or facebook.com slash gametimetvmb uh we'll take your comments we'll take your questions in the chat throughout the night so feel free to throw them out in there if you're joining us live as well uh and before we go any further we do want to acknowledge that the canadian football countdown is brought to you from treaty one territory traditional territory of the anishinaabe cree oja cree dakota and dene peoples and the homeland of the metis nation as well as from treaty four territory traditional territory of the cree soto dakota lakota nakota and metis nation um one more housekeeping note before we begin the show if you're looking for additional content on top of our weekly episodes you know what i'm about to say if you tune in regularly check out the cfc discord community we've got a link in the episode description it's free to join uh and we've got live game chats going on lots of cfl fantasy talk prop bets uh thrown out in there a lot nfl talk uh is quite the hot topic these days uh toronto blue jays talk um that's awkward yeah yeah no the that that might be dead after today um but lots of fun in the discord community so check that out and join us and uh, uh other listeners in the conversation there um let's get uh without further ado let's get into previewing our storylines for this week and we'll talk about the the four games on the schedule here in a second but obviously there was some big uh unfortunate sad news that came out this week uh of a cfl and riders legend adam yeah george reed unfortunately uh passed away on october 1st uh he was one day away from being 84 years old uh if you know anything about uh uh mr reed he was a legend in, in the province. Uh, he was a guy that uh, pretty much did a pile of things for the entire province and the community in Saskatchewan and Regina. Uh, was one of the best uh, running backs there really was out there. Uh, I mean, he had a 13-year career all with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, 203 games played, had 16,116 yards in his career. Uh, 134 touchdowns. He has average of five yards a carry, but I mean, 
the guy there was unstoppable for many a years. A multi CFL uh, All Star, a multi award winner, won the Grey Cup of the Riders' first Grey Cup along with Ronnie Lancaster uh, in 1966. Uh, just a legend in the community and uh, definitely going to be missed around Ryderville. I mean, he would come to every game no matter what. Uh, even uh, even when he got a little bit older here, he was still at every game that he could possibly be at uh, in Saskatchewan. The guy there, again, a legend throughout the CFL, uh, but definitely a legend in Saskatchewan. And for all the contributions he did, even after the game of football for uh, George Reed. So uh, any Saskatchewan fans, they're going to have a, uh, there's two things to honor him uh, this weekend here. Uh, he is going to have a celebration of life on Friday, uh, 1 to 1.30, uh, upstairs in the uh, international trade area uh, in Regina. So that's in the uh, Regina Exhibition uh, building there. So all Ryder fans are invited for that. And also, uh, they're going to definitely do some tributes and everything as well. Uh, this game originally was going to be for just the 13th man uh, in 2013. Uh, they were going to do an honor for all the 2013 players, uh, and they're, most of them are coming back. Uh, but this is also now turned into a little bit of also for George Reed. So uh, they asked that you us all the green like George would have wanted. So that's, uh, that's what Ryder Nation is known for. Uh, wear your green and uh, come celebrate the memory of George Reed. Ryan, uh, being a Winnipeg fan, I'm sure maybe you might not have uh, dealt with George Reed very much, but uh, any memories or anything you know of uh, back in the old days when uh, Winnipeg and Saskatchewan used to play? You know, I, I, I wish I did. I wish I had stories to tell here, but to be honest, I, I knew nothing. I know nothing really about George Reed. Um, because I'm not, I'm not great on CFL history. You know, I, I want to say I got into the CFL starting as a casual friend around 2006, 2007. Um, and you know, kind of in the early 2010s is when I really started to become more of a fan. And I just haven't picked up on all of that history stuff. So, you know, when we talk about these legendary players, like I, I know they're legendary. I just, don't know anything i never saw them play i don't, I don't have any knowledge uh from the past but you know all the all the stats you just listed off all the stories people have been telling late this this week since the news broke you know george reed was a foundational part of the cfl and cfl history and, and it's a huge loss for the league and, and the riders community and and obviously for family and friends and everyone as well so our Definitely, you know, our condolences uh, to uh, all the family and friends of the Reed family. Yeah, I mean, I know that the, the I mean, he still was out there talking to uh, player current players. I know Jeremy O'Day for his 80th birthday uh, took him out to just go and tour the field. And uh, it was quite a neat little thing. Uh, he's got this one street actually named after him right beside uh, the new Mosaic Stadium. It's George Reed Way. So... Yeah, he's going to be definitely missed in the community in this area, and uh, it's uh, it's a sad situation for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the entire organization. Uh, that being said, I will talk a little bit about what's going to be going on this weekend here. Uh, that's the first game I just wanted to kind of get to because there is a lot of playoff implications in that game uh, for both teams. Uh, Hamilton. Well, let, wins let me let let me rattle off the four matchups for this week, and then sure. we'll go ping pong between uh the the different ones so we've got a double header uh it is thanksgiving weekend 
uh, in the CFL. So we've got a double header, uh, Edmonton and Toronto, Edmonton visiting Toronto Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time, then Winnipeg and BC, a huge clash for first in the West uh, at 10 p.m. Eastern, same time or same night. Uh, Saturday, big game, the Ticats visiting the Riders. Uh, you know, the ceremonies you were just talking about going to be taking place at that one. Uh, that is Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. And then Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks visit the Montreal Alouettes. I believe a rematch from the week before. So, you know what, we're not, we're getting to the point in the season now where we've had 17 weeks of storylines thus far we've talked about and a lot of kind of the playoff picture is ironing itself out here so i i think the better format we're going to try to go with from here on out for the season is not go game by game and talk about the specifics because some of these games just won't matter for some of these teams right so we're going to kind of ping pong back and forth here with some of our top storylines across the different games throughout the week uh, uh, for the next little while here on the show. And we'll try that out and let us know in the comments, as always, uh, what you think of the format change. Uh, but for this week, back to you, Adam, what is the, the major storyline you wanted to talk about there? Well, I think the major storylines in these games, I'll go and we'll start off with probably the most important. They're all important games, but uh, the one most important one will be the BC Lions and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That's a battle for first place. Both teams are tied, I believe, in the standings. I think they're both 11-4, and four, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's in BC Place Stadium. It's going to be loud. It's going to be rocking. Uh, it's uh, apparently nicknamed the Gravy Bowl. Why the Gravy Bowl? Somebody want to ask Chris, you want to explain that one to me? Or Ryan, do you know? Anyways, it's Zach Calaro since uh, Vernon Adams Jr. Both teams are fairly healthy. Uh you know what? This should be a really, really good football game. Uh, what's the keys in, for both of these teams here for trying to get that victory or get that one game over the other? Uh, Ryan? So the explanation here from Chris in the chat, the gravy bowl is because whoever wins, it's going to be in first, first possession, sole possession of first place. I'm not sure how that translates to gravy. I'm going to call my own audible here and say it's called the gravy bowl because this is going to be a good football game. And gravy's pretty darn good, right? So, I, hey, I oh, mean, it's like, because it's on Thanksgiving weekend as well. So, like, are we getting like is each game this weekend? Can we, you know, if we have time yet, Adam, yeah. or maybe yeah, can we associate? Yeah. We have time. We have time. It's Boy. fine. Uh, we'll go over time. Uh, we do anyways. <laughs> what food item would you? What Thanksgiving food? do we associate with each of the games this week? Uh, I mean, I guess we got to go with gravy for Winnipeg, BC, but. Uh, well, I think I've, I, I was looking at it here. I mean, the other game earlier in this week or in this on the Friday is the Toronto Edmonton game. I would probably call that the cranberry bowl because one team it's very, very sweet and they love the taste of it right now. And the other team is just trying to flush out their kidneys and get ready for next season. <laughs> uh, I mean, like like Edmonton right now, I mean, they, they're coming into a game here where, you know what, I know they're playing a team that's just that's just taking it easy right now, probably a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure who's resting or who's anything of that yet because we don't have the uh, rosters yet. I'm sure there'll be some rest, uh, resting players again for the Toronto Argonauts. But, you know, Edmonton's fighting for their lives. I mean, I don't see it happening. I'm sorry, Edmonton. Today was the trade deadline. Nothing was done that I know of. Uh, 
I think this is just a formality. Edmonton needs this win to actually continue their playoff chances. Uh, Toronto really doesn't need this win, but it's in Toronto. I mean, I don't know. I can't see anything else coming to this. But yeah, love, that'll be the Cranberry Bowl. That'll be the Cranberry Bowl. I think we got to give Ottawa Montreal. That's the actual Thanksgiving Monday game. So we can just give that one the Turkey Bowl, I think. That one seems fair. Uh, and I'm going to go and give Hamilton at Saskatchewan the Stuffing Bowl because looking at some of the names on these two sides, I think they're going to beat the stuffing out of each other. So, <laughs> Well, Simone Lawrence kind of likes to do that, uh, pretty much stuff the uh, quarterback quite often. And uh, Jake Dolagala, and let's face it, it could happen for sure. So, yeah, yeah that's appropriate, the Stuffing Bowl. Uh, but back, well, that was a fun little side uh, pick uh, or a side uh, story there. I, I like that. We should come up with new food items to associate with each game every week. Uh, write that down, uh, Ryan, for, for next season. Uh, or, when we get, or that or when we get to Halloween, I guess we can rank our uh, uh, teams by candy. Oh, perfect. Yes, there we go. We're generating content on the spot while we're producing current content. This is what a... This is perfect. Um, back to what you were talking about, Winnipeg, BC. The, this matchup, the most intriguing thing to me is like we've talked about for weeks that first place in the West is going to come down to this game between these two teams. And then suddenly BC tried to started to trail off a little bit in the middle of the season. And it was, okay, maybe this game won't matter that much. No, now it very much matters. And you look at the previous two matchups, BC throttled Winnipeg in BC early in the season uh, in week three. And then in week nine, the, the Bombers hammered the Lions at home in that game. Now, Dane Evans started, VA was injured for that one, and that makes a big difference, I think. But now it is, yeah, very, you know, we've had blowouts on either side. So what does this third meeting bring for these teams? And... I don't know what I, I don't know necessarily. These are two good football teams. I mean, I, it could come down to the battle in the trenches, I, I think is where it comes down to because BC had great pressure early in the season. And that's kind of, you know, gone downhill a little bit from their defensive line. And the Bombers last week struggled to contain Cameron Dukes at quarterback and didn't get a single sack on, on, on the rookie quarterback there. So VA's got mobility of his own, and I think that's going to be uh, that's going to be tough. Uh, you know, if they can't get after the quarterback, like that's going to hurt them. So to me, it's a battle in the trenches of can the offensive lines keep these on paper strong D lines away, and can the defensive lines get to the quarterbacks to throw them off, which you know, kind of brings me, we'll go straight into a similar topic that I have here for you, Adam, which is most outstanding player odds uh, in the CFL. Uh, Farhan Lalji posted some from FanDuel earlier today. Chad Kelly is the lead favorite at minus 250. Zach Caleros is plus 250. And Vernon Adams is plus 1800. To me, that's absurd. To me, Vernon Adams should be just as much, if not more, of an MOP candidate so far this season than Zach Caleros has. I think he's been playing an elite level of football. I know he's had his own turnover problems, but I think VA deserves to be in the nomination, and I think it's probably going to come down to these two guys uh, who are playing each other this week. Who do you give the upper hand? Like, Chad Kelly's got the East nominee locked up, right? So... 
who do you look at as West MOP nominee? Does this week decide it or is it already decided in your opinion? In my mind, it's already, well, and again, we have this struggle with our league in senior hockey as well a little bit. Most outstanding player or most valuable player. Uh, most outstanding mm. player, what we always define as, if that, like, he's just absolutely incredible in a league of his own. Uh, it didn't matter. But most valuable player, again, would be who's been contributing most to their team and allowing them to win the most games. If that was the case, it's Vernon Adams' hand down on, on most va- valuable player. If Vernon Adams ain't there, that team loses instantly. I'll tell you right now. It's not as anywhere near as what it was. Uh, you get, and, and again, I know Richard in the chat, you're going to probably tell me, well, no, that's that's insane because he should be the most outstanding player. But again, uh, you look at what Calaros does every year. I mean, yeah, he's only got two more interceptions, Vernon Adams, than uh, Zach Calaros. But if it's under most valuable, Vernon Adams wins it. If it's under most outstanding, I mean, Kolaros is still a very good quarterback and very capable of making those deep passes. Uh, his stats are still great uh, for most yard for yardage on plays. Uh, doesn't run the ball; he never did. But uh, and Vernon Adams does have that advantage with him. Uh, so I would say most outstanding would be Kolaros right now. Uh, that being said, this game will decide a lot. Uh, but if it's most valuable, there's no question in the league who it is. It's Vernon Adams Jr. Everybody's seen what it looked like with Dane Evans, so yeah, exactly, right. And to and to be honest, right now, if it was East versus West, as much as I don't want to tell Trey this, probably it's Chad Kelly. I think Kelly would probably get it. I think VA's honestly been better almost than than Chad Kelly has at, at times. You know, Vernon Adams is throwing three hundred plus, four hundred plus yards almost every single week. It seems uh so far this season um but that's not a knock on what kelly's done so far as well another interesting name on here brady Oliveira 3700 i would honestly put him as the bombers nominee over zach caleros this year and maybe i'm just a bit more down on caleros because of those interceptions you know how many of his interceptions have gone back for touchdowns how many plays has he you know fumbled the ball and it's gone back for a touchdown it feels like his turnovers have been costly uh, at times and yeah he's throwing three four touchdowns a game sometimes as well and he's honestly has more mop like numbers this year than he did the past two times he won it so by that definition yeah he probably should get it again but i can't deny what brady Oliveira has done so far this year at, at running back and he's putting up one of the best canadian running back seats of all time like nobody's now is going to catch what john cornish did uh, at the height of his career, uh, you know, that's not going to happen. But uh, Oliveira in his second full season as a starter is probably on pace for close to, if not over 1,500 yards on the year. And, and that's respectable in a league where, you know, a lot of teams have rotated through running backs and, and, and to try to find their guy. So I think, yeah, it's probably going to be Kelly gets the overall nod. It's probably going to be Coleros gets the the West nominee. Uh, but I do like the odds of Vernon Adams and Brady Oliver. I think they should have stronger consideration than they're getting from the odds makers. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, I'm not the biggest Brady Oliver fan, obviously. I've been pretty vocal about that. But honestly, this year here, he has proved himself to not be that fourth quarter, okay, fine, let's just get as many yards as we can in the fourth quarter kind of running back. He's been running on teams all all night and – 
It don't matter if it's the fourth, the third, the second, or the first quarter. Uh, Brady Oliveira has really proven this year that he could be a very dominant quarter uh, running back in this league. I just look at when was the last time that a running back has won that that's award. That's the problem, right? Yeah. 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 That's 100% the problem. And, you know, interesting comment here in the chat from Richard. Uh, it might depend on how much Chad Kelly plays. If he sits, you know, quite a bit down the stretch of the season, does yeah. that take him out of consideration? Because it kind of did for Nathan Rourke for MOP last year, different circumstances. I think Kelly's most outstanding player-like season led to him being able to rest down the stretch, but... Uh, it will be interesting for sure to play, see how this plays out and changes down the stretch here. Um, another storyline that I want to go to here next, and then we'll throw it over back to you for another one after that. Uh, the CFL trade deadline passed today. Did you know that was today? Yep. Yeah, I knew about it today. Hardly any fanfare because, well, there were no trades. There is no live program because there's nothing to talk about when CFL deadline day comes around. My question to you is, should teams be more active at the deadline than they already are? Or should the CFL change something to make it more exciting? Or does the trade deadline not have to be as exciting as some leagues make it? Well, I mean, some leagues also have 26 or 32 teams in their league. I mean, there's a lot more ability there to be action. There's a lot more players to deal with. Uh, that's why some of these guys I could see doing that. I'd love to see the CFL actually have a trade deadline uh, and try to hype it up a little bit and make sure that people know about it and at least they're talking about it at the very least. Uh, to me, I thought there could have been some action today. I mean, you look at teams like uh, uh, that are right on the cusp of making a playoff push. Uh, for example, Hamilton would be one that I would think of. Uh, could have probably used maybe a backup quarterback. I know that they have some, but that being said, uh, well, I guess FM fan, uh, one of our listeners, will probably be giving me grief right away. But uh, yeah, Bull Levi Mitchell isn't even a backup quarterback anymore. I'm sorry. But nevertheless, I guess he's there. You never know. But um, it's so hard to make a trade in the CFL also because you, or you're watching your, uh, your uh, cap at all times. You're making different moves, and there's only so many teams, right? So to me, it's very tough to ever make any real trades. Uh, I think the last trade that I could really remember that made any significant impact, well, Bomber fans will be happy because it was for Zach Caleros. Uh, they got traded to, from Toronto over to Winnipeg for pretty much what, I can't even remember, a bag of apples. Might have also got a bag of chips in it too. Hard to say. <laughs> But uh, nevertheless, uh, yeah, that one worked out for Winnipeg pretty well. Yeah, just a little uh, bit, yeah. Yeah, just a little. Uh, and then the only other one that I can really remember for trades really ever in this thing was in 2013 when the Rough Riders traded for, uh, was it Diamond Ferry or was it uh, somebody else from uh, Brian Hall maybe it was from uh, Winnipeg just to fill in a spot and uh, it worked out for him because, yeah, Riders won the Great Cup that year. But uh, – Really, there's not very many trades that I can remember that make any significant impact on trade deadline in the CFL. So, yeah, I don't know. I'd be nice if they would recognize and, like, make it bold that everybody knows that it's a date and make the fans aware of it. But really, yeah, there's not much you can do with it, I don't think. But there's also no point in making people aware of it if nothing's going to happen, really, right? That and, you know, you've mentioned Coleros. I mean, that's the big one that changed the trajectory of the 
bombers organization for sure. Um, it's not the most recent impactful trade made at the deadline though, because the bombers the year after traded for Sergio Castillo, who went on to basically should have been the gray cup MVP. Now I think they traded like a fourth round pick for his rights, but that worked out pretty well for them when they won the cup in 2021. So it was interesting that, you know, Kyle Walters two straight deadlines made that tinkering piece. And I thought maybe that would lead to more of a trend uh, of moves made at the deadline in the future. But I don't know if very many were made last year. Maybe it was the Walter Fletcher over to Montreal trade, but that also could have been earlier in the season. I think that was earlier in the year. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's pretty quiet. And I think that comes as a result of two things. Probably one is like you said, there are nine teams in this league and six teams make the playoffs. Right. So, you don't really need, you don't have buyers and sellers because you're either in the playoff spot or with how late in the season is potentially eliminated from the playoffs. And the other part, and the other part that goes along with that is you don't really need to buy or sell because you can just overhaul your entire team in free agency, right? Like that's not lengthy contracts that you're trying to sell off for future prospects here. It's if you want to get rid of guys at the end of the year, yeah, you, they're gone, right? The contracts are up. So uh, I don't know what you do to make it more exciting. Um, I always find it interesting with leagues in general, like even the NHL trade deadline gets so hyped up. It's the last day to make moves. Hardly any trades are made the rest of the season and they just save them all for the very, very last minute. And it's like, we talked about this just you and I before the show in terms of fantasy football that, you know, waiver moves and, and trades early in the season have a greater chance of a lasting impact because they, you know, you get more weeks of that potentially. But uh, I guess people just want to wait till the deadline and, and make their deals then. And that's not the case in the CFL. So I don't know how you improve it. Maybe the guaranteed contracts get it more in that direction. But um yeah, CFL trade deadline day. It's come, it's gone. Hardly knew what had, hardly knew it was there. <laughs> and exactly. now the rosters are locked in. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you're right. With one-year contracts right now in the CFL, you don't get trades because players, yeah, you can just rebuild in the offseason if you really need to. Uh, pretty much you can build an entire roster in the offseason if you have to. Uh, and you're right. The other thing is two teams – uh, really, in this, in reality, two teams are almost eliminated right now from the CFL uh, playoffs, but they're not eliminated yet, technically. And the team above two of those teams is absolutely terrible right now. So, do you really give away everything? I mean, if you were at Calgary Stampeders today, would you go and entertain trade offers because, you know, Saskatchewan's a game or two above you and you got to play them yet once? I kind of doubt it. If you're yeah. uh, Edmonton or Ottawa, maybe you might consider it. Uh, otherwise, there's really – and the other teams, again, Winnipeg, BC, Toronto, they've got a great team already. Why would you buy and try to mix up chemistry? Um, it's a funny thing, but, yeah, that's a trade deadline just really won't work that well. Uh, a couple clinching scenarios this week uh, just to run through here just as I'm going to be doing this. Uh, Ottawa, Edmonton, you guys are right on the bubble, like I just said earlier. Uh, if Saskatchewan wins, you're both out of the playoffs. That's right, right from immediately. If uh, 
Hamilton wins, they still have an opportunity to uh, host a East Division game. And if uh, Montreal wins and Hamilton loses, Montreal has clinched second place in the uh, East. So still some stuff to play for. Uh, the East is getting shaped up pretty quickly. Uh, is there any chance of this being kind of crazy in the West yet, uh, Ryan? Or we pretty much looking at what we look, what we're seeing. I I, I think it's done. I, I think the Riders are going to walk in for that third playoff spot. I think this week is probably the winner of BC. Winnipeg is probably going to go and decide who who wins the West. Although, yeah, because they'd have they'd be one win ahead in the standings. Plus, they'd have the season tiebreaker, so that's going to be tough to overcome. Too, yeah. And I think they both have one bye week left as well. Um, Edmonton, like we're in week 18, there's 18, 19, there's four weeks left to go and you're already in a must win and other teams must lose scenario. Like, like that's not gonna, you're not going to get that miracle run, unfortunately for four weeks to end the season. Uh, and maybe I hope it lasts one or two longer, maybe just for the excitement. Um, and Interestingly, the only team then potentially left sitting outside a playoff spot is the team that's on a bye this week, which is the Stampeders. So that could still fight their way in. I know they've got that key matchup with the Riders still, I think, coming up that could turn things in their tide or in their favor. But Calgary just looks like they're, they're lost right now as well. And that's not to say Saskatchewan isn't, but... I, I don't know. I, I, I think these are what we see right now as playoff teams is what we're going to get this year. And this is what makes me a little bit sad about the next couple of weeks of what are we going to talk about? If Hamilton's locked in for third, Montreal's locked in for second, Toronto's locked in for first, East Division, nothing's going to change in the next four weeks. And West Division, like I said, could be pretty well locked in here after this week as well. So... Um, I think that it's, it's going to be a slow crawl to the end of the season here. What do you think? I think it's going to be terribly slow. I don't know what, again, we're going to have to bring Mike in here so he can talk about coaches getting fired because we ain't going to have much else to talk about after a while. Uh, and again, when you even look on that side, uh, one of the teams that very well could make the playoffs is one of those teams that probably has a coach that should be fired. So... <laughs> It's going to be a very, very dull uh, four weeks coming up. I'm sorry again in advance uh, because there ain't going to be very many storylines really to talk about. I mean, yeah, next week we're going to talk. If let's say Winnipeg wins this week and win, wins next week, they've clinched first essentially. Uh, and same thing for BC. And if Saskatchewan wins two more games, this week and next week versus Calgary, it's all over for third. So. Yeah, it's going to be a very, very dull few weeks, but uh, yeah, gives us time to work on our playoff previews, I guess. Not only that, I mean, we can associate foods with each of the games now. There's a great suggestion here to, to, you know, maybe we can get some guests uh, in here as well. Timing's a bit tricky sometimes to get the guests when we when we do it this late at night, um, but uh, we'll see. We'll see if we can swing something there. And you know what? Worst case scenario, we'll come up with storylines. And maybe I'll get to bed at a decent time on a Wednesday night, finally. Ah, don't count on it. (laughs) 
Yeah, we'll find, we'll find random things to talk about if we have to. Oh yeah, no, there's still, uh, and this seems doom and gloom, but there is still lots. There is going to be lots to talk about because you know the load management. What does that look like for all of these different teams? You know, we can talk about guys who have, you know, stepped up and do should, if they have a hot hand. You know, should they get into the lineup in the playoffs? I think there there's scenarios to talk about with still with with these games down the stretch, just maybe not as exciting as uh, some of the, the big games we've seen thus far. Um, what else do you have here for a major storyline? Any other ones for you this week? Well, Hamilton had some interesting news this week. I mean, the first uh, week or day of practice this week, they had Bo Levi Mitchell out there and they had Matthew Schultz out there splitting the first team reps. What? You had Taylor Powell all year at least keeping you within the hunt. He's had a few good hot games here. And all of a sudden, you're going to decide to go and bring in Bo Levi Mitchell, who how many interceptions has he had already so far this season? I mean, it's been nine or it's, it's been a lot. Let's put it that way. Bo um, Levi Mitchell interceptions? Yeah, for this season. They had to be pretty uh, high. It has been nine. You are correct. Nine interceptions. So you're going to bring him back right now? Don't get me wrong. Bo Levi Mitchell's a veteran. He should know what playoffs are all about, and he should be prepared for them. But, man, are you really willing to take that chance right now when you had a pretty good quarterback in there? Ryan, who would you be playing? I, I, I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but I, I'll ask. What the heck happened here to, to Taylor Powell? Like he, he, this last week, I, I didn't get a chance to catch the game, unfortunately, but did, was there an injury of some kind? Did he just start the game slow and they decided to yank him for Schultz? Cause I see Powell two of six for 14 yards. He had a rush for 12 and then Schultz took over for the rest of the game there. I, he's not on the injury report. So I assume uh, it was just, you know, slow start to the game and they wanted to make the change there. And Schultz came in and he looked decent. He looked pretty good. 11 of 19, 225, two touchdowns interception. Also added 30 yards on the ground. Yeah, this was interesting news this week. I thought maybe it was just Powell getting pulled, but now Bo's healthy, supposedly. Schultz is obviously healthy. He played good this week. You know, Powell... If you look at the depth chart on paper, I think is still the number is the number three quarterback on the team. I, I understand this hierarchy of it, but I also see exactly what you just said that, you know, go with the guy that's led you here. But also he's led you here stumbling along the way quite a bit at times, right? There were like five weeks in a row, I think, where he didn't have a touchdown pass. And that's not going to get you far in the playoffs here. Um I think Matt Schultz is the guy. I, I think he should get the starts. I think we talked about it a number of weeks ago, who's the best backup in the CFL, and I threw my uh, nod towards Matt Schultz because I've been really high on him throughout his career and thought he just didn't get the full opportunity to do so. And I think he should get the opportunities to start here if Powell isn't. Bo Levi Mitchell, I... What else can I say about him that I haven't said all year long already? Great player throughout his career. One of the best, hands down. And this is nothing against his legacy. I just don't think Bo is a reliable quarterback right now at this point in his career with all of the injuries. So 
Uh, yeah, I would go with Schiltz. Um, I could see them wanting to go with the veteran presence in, in Bo Levi as well. But, uh, you know, it's interesting to see this this change in the hierarchy. And if the playoff spots get locked up this week where they're stuck in third place, that gives them three, four weeks to figure out going in the playoffs who's going to be the guy when they head to Montreal. So, you know, maybe it's experimentation time down the stretch here to see who gives them the best opportunity. Who would you go with? I'd go with Taylor Powell. I mean, without a doubt. Uh, Bo Levi Mitchell's a good guy if you need him. He's, he's backing him up. Uh, if you need him and something happens and you figure he maybe has a little bit of a hot hand coming off the bench, uh, especially in a playoff game, because it kind of looks like that way that Hamilton's going to make the playoffs. Uh, but Taylor Powell's done you good. I mean, yes, he's had his learning curves. Yes, he's had some games that he's been a little bit tough in. But overall, I mean, he has brought you back to at least within a playoff spot. So, yeah, it's got to be Taylor Powell for me. Uh, Matthew Schultz, he's unfortunately, I think, moved to number three in the depth chart. Uh, I, he's a good quarterback, but I just, I don't know. He, he's one of those guys that just seems to be the bad luck Brian of uh, quarterbacks right now in the CFL. Uh, and then fourth, I guess, would be Kyle Oxley uh, if they really have to go down to that far. But uh, I think he's more of a practice roster quarterback right now, uh, fringing on maybe becoming a receiver. Uh, but no, right now it's Taylor Powell all the way. I'd go if I if I was uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats and Orlando Steinhauer. Uh, let's go a couple quick hits uh, here uh, to end off uh, the storylines. Uh, the Argos, what are you doing load management for them this week? Chad Kelly sat last week. Cameron Dukes looked pretty good against the Bombers, uh, but they did struggle in time of possession, uh, it seemed, uh, last week. Uh, but I would say he still looked very good from what I expected of him. Uh, Brian Scott took over briefly in the third or the fourth quarter uh, before pa- uh, Dukes got a chance to finish the game. Uh, who are you starting at quarterback this week, and what are you doing for load management for the Argos? Are you still rotating just a couple of guys out here and there? Are you uh, are, are you playing everybody? What are you doing at this point? I'd be load managing. I mean, you've earned that right. You may as well. Uh, I'd give some starters some time as well. I mean, Winton McManus and some of the defensive line. I mean, I'd like to see some of their backups starting up in there uh, just to see what exactly happens in there. I'd also like to see them use some of their backup receivers, especially one guy that just got signed after getting cut by the Hamilton Tiger Cats this week. That would be Richard Sundani. I would like to see him get some time as he's a good Canadian uh, uh, receiver that came out of the U of R. Uh, so I'd like to see him get some time as well. Uh, Quarterback-wise, yeah, Chad Kelly sitting. I mean, I would just probably put in uh, Cameron Dukes for the game. I don't know why they want to keep switching. I mean, you may as well build some reps in case something ever happens to Chad Kelly. Let's hope that nothing drove, does. But That drove me nuts. Sorry to cut you off. That drove me I know, nuts did. last week. Yeah. I mean, you had the game. Cameron Dukes played a great game overall for the Argos. And beating the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who had to win. I mean, that's impressive. And beating them with backups in, essentially, or some backups in. Not all of them. I mean, the receiving core, for the most part, was there. Uh, But again, you're using a backup running back. 
Uh, I don't think, if I'm not mistaken, AJ Ouellette didn't play last week, or did he? he? He did, but he played very minimally. Like, he had one or two run, big runs and big catches for a touchdown, but then was out the rest of the night. And then I think they had McMahon, and uh, I'm so sorry, I can't remember the other uh, running back's name, but uh, yeah, they, they mostly had backups in. Uh, if I'm them, I'd probably be rotating some of the D-line. I'd be rotating receivers again. You don't want somebody like Devontae Coxie all of a sudden getting hurt. Uh, there's no point. Why? I mean, you make sure they don't get thrust. Make sure they've got a little bit of reps. Make sure they're still in game shape and ready to go. But, yeah, I'd be resting, guys. I mean, why not? Yeah, that drove me nuts last week, like I said, about uh, pulling Dukes and putting Brian Scott. And I get that you want to give them both reps in different situations there. But since you have so many weeks to the end of the season that don't matter, give Brian Scott a whole game another week, right? Like, give both of them the full game material, unless, you know, they'll probably say... Honestly, give them this week, but just give them the whole game. Yeah, unless it was a case of maybe, you know, the offense stalled a little bit there and they wanted Dukes to have a chance to watch from the sidelines for a little bit. If that was part of it, I could see an argument. Um, the other thing is, I wonder if this plays into whether or not they play all their starters this week. It's the 150th anniversary of the Toronto Argonauts, and they are celebrating this big time at home, right? So if you're trying to hype up this celebration and bring people into the stands to celebrate it, would you not want to put the best product out on the football field to try to get them back, you know, to keep coming back? I would. Uh, so for that reason, I wouldn't be surprised to see the starters start with having, again, uh, all of those weeks off left to go. Uh, maybe one or two will rotate in here and there, but I, I, I think we'll see. I think we'll see Chad Kelly play this week for, for Toronto at home. He's the big guy they can market around. So I, I could see it too, because they're actually also honoring the 1996 Grey Cup team, which means that Doug Flutie is in the house. And uh, if you need some comparisons for Chad Kelly to be beside Doug Flutie, that's probably a pretty good option for them right at that moment. Uh, so that'll be kind of cool. The other one that I wanted to bring up for you for a quick hit, uh, Chad Owens uh, has re-signed with the Argonauts for one day. Uh, he's going to retire as a Toronto Argonaut. Uh, what's your me- uh, best memory of uh, Chad Owens uh, as an Argo or as in, in the CFL? He was fun to watch. This is a guy that, you know, when we talked before about how I don't have any memories uh, of George Reed on the football field, like Chad Owens is a guy who was in his prime when I became, at the you know, started becoming a big football fan. And he was just electric and, and fun to watch. And, you know, his, his ability to return kicks, his, his ability as a wide receiver, um, the flying, Owens, the flying fly line, line, right? Yeah. yeah. Like he was, he was, one of those electric players that could make something happen every single time he was out there on the football field. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, he did go to Hamilton. He was big with the Argos and then went over to Hamilton for a little while. And then that got weird. Uh, was it the reverse of Brandon Banks? I feel, I feel like it was uh, with Chad Owens. But uh, no, uh, definitely one of those guys that when we talk about all of the uh, you know, electric kick returners we have in the CFL. Yeah, Chad Owens was definitely one of those. Yeah, definitely. Um, he started off his career with the Jacksonville Jaguars, then went to the Miami Dolphins, uh, played with the Bucks, then went back to the Jaguars, 
Then ended up with the uh, uh, AFL team, Arena Football League team, the Colorado Crush, and then was signed originally by the Montreal Alouettes in 2009. Won a great cup with the Alouettes. We won't talk about how. Uh, he was on practice roster, I think, for the most. Although it said he actually was playing in those games, so he was on the active roster of a bit. So then went to the Toronto Argonauts for five years. And again, got his nickname for such great returns and just big, big plays all the time is what I always found with Chad Owens. Uh, 2016, ended up with the Tiger Cats, played a season with them, then ran over in 2017 to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders for one season. I forgot about that. Yep. And then ended up his career with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. He only ended up on the practice roster in 2018 and then decided, uh, yeah, that was the career, I guess, of Chad Owens. Uh, 2023 is when he's officially retiring as an Argonaut. Uh, he did win the Outstanding Player Award in 2012, which is cool. Uh, and I think the Argos won the Great Cup that year, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Uh, because that was the year before. Was that BC that won the, that year? I can't remember in 2012. 2011 uh, BC won in 2011. BC won in 2011, okay. So then it was Toronto yeah, in 2012. Lost that one too. Yeah, okay. Uh, because, yeah, BC had uh, Ricky Foley on his team in 2011 on BC, and then he was in 2012 in Toronto in 2013 in Saskatchewan. And all three were home teams for their own Grey Cups. So, uh, but yeah, it was really cool for uh, Chad Owens to retire as an Argonaut, where he rightfully should. I mean, he had yeah. the best of his career over there. And uh, yeah, best wishes to him and whatever he's doing next. It's always funny, right? too, when a guy announces his retirement now when his last season was 2018 on the practice roster. When when you, when you I saw this news today, I was like, wait, Chad Owens wasn't already retired? Like, what has he been doing? For the past four exactly years. i was looking in there i thought maybe i might see him like usfl or like some weird odd league somewhere and maybe nfl europe or you know somewhere else but no he just never played after the tie cats yeah yeah interesting uh speaking of retirement and pending retirement uh andrew harris uh didn't play against the bombers this past week but was on the sideline got a pretty good uh video tribute uh, uh talking about all the stats and everything uh with the bombers and a standing ovation there so it sucks we never got to see him you know come back and actually play here in winnipeg but but because you know this is his final season he's on the injured list but uh uh, that was cool to see uh, Andrew Harris get that recognition. And I know he's going to be going off to do some coaching in BC, but I hope similar to this, that one day he gets a one day contract with the Bombers uh, and can officially and officially retires with Winnipeg uh, would be the rightful end to that storyline. I feel like there as well. Um, or BC because you know he was dominating there already before that, he came too, to Winnipeg. that too right but Winnipeg is the hometown team <laughs> also I'm just, I'm just trying to stir it up with Winnipeg fans yeah also also left on not great terms but uh you can tell the fans still love him and appreciate all he did for the franchise there uh yep. should we get into our betting picks for this week's games or do you have another storyline you want to talk about yet I think I'm good on storylines, to be honest with you. Uh, again, it's it's going to be one of those games. This is going to determine a lot this week. So make sure you grab an extra wing or an extra drumstick from the th turkey and uh, catch uh, some football this weekend because it's going to be pretty fun to watch. Yes, absolutely. All right, we're going to do betting picks for each of the four games, and then we'll do fantasy players to watch after that. Um 
we haven't been keeping up with our, our records so far on these picks so far this year, but Adam, I'm starting to wonder if I'm catching you here. Cause I had the perfect eight and O week last week. Uh, although on the podcast, I think I did take BC, but I did end up switching my pick over to Saskatchewan afterwards. It's just a gut feeling on the day of when I put in my, my picks that, you know, I, I thought the riders were going to keep it close enough to cover uh, eight and zero last week, and I think I went seven and one the week before. The tie cats were dead to me. I picked them again. They redeemed themselves. They are now back into consideration going forward. Um, do you know how you did last week? Any any idea? I, I didn't have my picks into uh, Trey last oh, week. Right. However, right. I did have. Uh, t- I was only two for four. Uh, I got the uh, Winnipeg game wrong because I had the Argonauts and I had. Uh, which was the other one that I had that I had wrong? Uh, oh, I had the uh, Ottawa wrong because I thought Ottawa yeah. was actually going to win that one. So, and how wrong I was! But I did have the Tie Cats right, and I did have the uh, Rough Riders because I thought, well, you never know—they might pull an upset. But I didn't say they were going to win it. But I thought, you know what? At least they're going to make it within reason. And for some reason, they seem to be really good at winning in fourth quarters. So, Oh, yeah. No, that was great. As somebody who put a $1 parlay down on getting everything right this week uh, to have – that was the, the closest, like, Winnipeg-Toronto barely came back to cover the spread. Uh, then, you, then Saskatchewan needed that crazy late fourth quarter almost comeback to, to cover the spread. Um, and I forgot what the other games were. I think one of them covered the over under by half a point. Uh, and then Hamilton just got the job done in the fourth game there. So, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to bet the CFL because it's very unpredictable. Uh, and it's especially tough to bet on games when there's no odds to bet on. Uh, we do not have picks here to make for Edmonton at Toronto because Trey, our trusty resident betting expert, looked at like five different betting sites, including FanDuel, I assume, which is the CFL has the official odds on the CFL site. They don't have odds for this game. Uh, and I'm going to guess it's largely due to nobody really knows yet what the Argos are going to do with their roster, right? Like Chad Kelly playing versus Brian Scott getting the start is a vastly different line, I would say, there. And so they're probably not going to open it up until they have the depth chart available. So that is why we don't have – we're not going to make picks necessarily on this game. Uh I mean, if you want to, do you have a pick? Who do you think is going to win it? I'm still going to probably take the Argos to win at home, even even if they rest their starters after how well they played against Winnipeg last week. You? Yeah, I'm going to take the Argonauts. I mean, they're a strong team. They're going to give Edmonton all they want. Unfortunately, Edmonton fans, that's going to be the elimination game on you. Uh, but you know what? It's honestly probably about time that they just need to go down. Uh <laughs> It sucks, but yeah, no, I'm going to say the Argonauts are going to win this game. Uh, talk to me, though, if it's uh, by 15 or 16 or something, then maybe I'll switch my pick. But like I said, if that's pretty much what I'm going with on that one. All right, let's get into the ones we actually have lines for here. The, the juiciest one, Winnipeg at BC. The Lions are one-point favorites at home, which might mean I think they're actually favoring Winnipeg because they – 
they, they spot the home team a couple of points here. The over-under is 51.5. This is about as much of a pick-em game as you could ever get uh, when it comes to betting. Uh, What are you taking here? I'm going to take the BC Lions in this one here. I like the Lions, uh, how they've been playing lately. They, yeah, they gave up the last minute of garbage time versus the Rough Riders. Honestly, they dominated the game. Uh, They've been playing very well. They're getting healthier. Keon Hatcher looks like a beast out there. Uh, Vernon Adams is just making greater and greater throws and more accurate every time. Plus, he can run around with the ball, which I think this year actually we've almost forgotten about because he's been so good on his throws. Uh, Winnipeg, again, I just look at him and I say they were very fortunate that for some reason that, uh, uh, what do you call, Ryan Dinwiddie decided to go and uh, – reward his old team by giving him a win by pulling Cameron Dukes last week. Otherwise, I think Toronto was going to win that game. So, yeah, I'm going to go to the BC Lions. Uh, and it's at home for the Lions. So you can't tell me that uh, uh, the owner of the BC Lions are not going to have that team just hyped right up. Uh, it's going to be a fun game in the in the uh, Dome in BC place. Give me the Lions. Uh, and what oh, about the over-under? Under? Yeah, and the over-under, I'm going to go with the over on this one because I think both of these teams could just maybe have a shootout. Uh, it seems like whenever they get together, um, sometimes there are lots of points, sometimes there isn't, but it's in BC. I think both teams are really wanting to go. They know this is for all the marbles. Yeah, give me the over. Yeah, BC opening the upper deck for this game, I believe, as well. That's how well ticket sales are going. BC, uh, Trey's not here tonight to tell me that uh, home field advantage doesn't matter. Uh, So I'm going to say in this game, it absolutely matters because both these teams have hammered each other in in their own barns, right? And so uh, BC is a better team at home than they are on the road. And the Bombers have not been a very good road team this year uh, at all. I've listed off the stats in previous weeks, but... You know, they're they're blowing teams out of the water at home and and on the road. It's either they need a late comeback to do it or it's a trap game that they end up losing in those or they get the win, but it's a very low scoring and narrow victory. So I like BC in this one pretty easily for me. I think they're going to take it. Uh, And the over-under, I'm going with you. I I, I think there's going to be a lot of points on the board between these two teams this week. Then we get into our second game here, which is the Hamilton Tiger Cats visiting the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The Riders at home are three and a half point favorites over the Tie Cats. The over underline is at 49.5. Tough, tough to pick this without knowing who Hamilton's starting quarterback is going to be. That might, that might change this for me. So uh, I may change this pick closer to uh, when we get to having depth charts out and stuff. I think I'm going to take the Tie Cats right now, though. I, I don't know. I'm feeling better about what the, they've done as a team uh, lately than, than I'm feeling about what the Riders have done. And Matt Schultz, I thought, looked good last week coming back in. I'm hoping he gets the start. And James Butler and his ability to run against the Riders' defensive line that's been struggling to do so. I like that. I also like the points. I think Dole Gala is going to throw a couple touchdown passes. I think the Ticats can put some points on the board in this one as well. So I'll take over on the 49 and a half. 
Um, and I think it's going to be a close game, right? So I, 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 I'm taking the Ticats to win it, but I could see it being close enough where the, the Riders could win. But if they win, I don't know if it's by three and a half. We'll take the extra kind of padding there of the three and a half points to take Hamilton to cover at least. Adam, what about you? On this one here, I'm going to finally, well, it's a weird game. I believe you're exactly right. I mean, James Butler can run all over the Rough Riders. I think that defensive line is not very good in Saskatchewan. Uh, they have The Riders have shown up and learned how to be the uh, three-minute warning team that everybody fears is essentially what they've been lately. They can't seem to play earlier in the game. Uh, that being said, though, this game here, I think, means a lot more for the Rough Riders now, and especially from everything that's transpired. Um, I think that win for George is probably going to kick in. The crowd is going to be a big crowd on Saturday night. Uh, it's honoring the 2013 team, which was an extremely popular team in Saskatchewan. Uh, when Doubles is back in the in the crowd, and along with pretty much every single Rough Rider, I haven't heard about Corey Sheets is the only one I haven't heard about. They're I think gonna I saw on it. Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it today that he is in town and looking for a car to get around. So if you're in Saskatchewan, maybe hook him up. It's just like the 2013 team. They used to ask for bikes in uh, Saskatoon with their training camp all the time. So, yeah, he's back, I guess, in town. And uh, we all remember what happened when the 2013 team played Hamilton uh, in the Grey Cup that year. It was a domination by the Rough Riders. I think the Riders are going to win this one. I think they're going to win actually pretty big uh, just because they got all that motivation and all that extra thing in the, on the sidelines of what's happening. Uh, the pressure's on them, though. I mean, they've got to perform, and they got to start winning. Uh, it's time to start getting serious if you're going to make a playoff run. And, yeah, this is the time for the Rough Riders to start showing it. Uh, give me the uh, under on this game, though, because I don't think there'll be a lot of points scored. Not like the 2013 Grey Cup, but I think that there will be enough that Saskatchewan's going to win this one uh, by more than three and a half. Oh, you're very convincing, and uh, you're tempting me to switch my pick. I'm going to stick with the Ticats for now, but check the Discord betting channel. If I if I switch my pick uh, once the depth charts come out, uh, I'll, I'll let you know there. The only thing they needed to do is they should have invited Henry Burris to that uh, 23 great, 2013 Great Cup celebration. I mean, he was the biggest reason why the Riders probably won it in the end, just because the fans just absolutely got all over him. Uh, Richard in the chat wants to know, can we look back and see how many games Adam has picked Sask to win this year? The answer is probably all of them. So, uh, no, I, it's pretty close. It's pretty close. The first game of the season, I know I picked Edmonton because I was like, okay, this is going to be ugly this year. Uh, I think I maybe picked Winnipeg the first game that they played in Saskatchewan. And there's a couple others, uh, that I know I picked, uh, Saskatchewan to lose. So. But I did probably pick him to cover. So I, you've at least picked them to cover. I feel like almost every week. So you know what? Uh, for 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 other games, trust Adam's insight. For for Ryder games, uh, maybe not as much, given their record on the season. But not bad overall. Uh, and you probably did get some of those right. So uh, kudos to you on those. Uh, it's just like me. I think last year, I don't think I got a single Argos game right all year, and eventually just started flipping a coin. So uh, we're not there yet. Uh, 
we were earlier this season, but now I'm on a hot streak. So we'll see if I can keep that streak going. Uh, I get when the Ottawa Red Blacks re, uh, have a rematch here with Montreal Alouettes uh, on Thanksgiving Monday. Uh, rematch from last week's game. Those are always tough to pick. The line is Montreal at home minus six and a half uh, with the over under of 48. So uh, I'll go over to you here first on this one. What are you thinking? Well, Richard in the chat, yes. If I cut myself on a piece of glass or something, definitely green uh, comes out a little bit. Uh, very little red comes out for some reason. I, I don't know why. And also when I bruise, I bruise black and green, not black and blue. It's just the way it works in Saskatchewan. So it's weird things like that. But uh, in this game here, I'm going to take the Alouettes. I just, you know what? Ottawa's put their best effort in, and I think they will again to try to keep this going. Uh, and they seem to play well for Bob Dice, the team overall. They've done a lot better in the last little bit. I think they found themselves even a running back in uh, Devontae Williams. I think he's going to be uh, the running back of the future for the Ottawa Red Blocks. Uh, Dustin Crum looks pretty good. I think this team is starting to build a little bit towards the future. But the uh, Montreal Alouettes right now are, are still contenders for an East Championship or at least a trip out to Toronto to go and face the Argonauts. I think the Montreal Alouettes need momentum going into uh, a few more tougher games this uh, next little bit. And uh, I think the Alouettes will win this one uh, by six and a half, though. Yeah, that's only a touchdown. So I think they will. And give me the under in this game as well. Uh, I know Montreal won pretty handedly last time, but I don't see them scoring as many as they did last time. So I'm going to go with the under and go with the Alouettes. Yeah, I'm also doing the same. Montreal, again, continues to show that they can shut teams not named BC, Winnipeg, and Toronto completely down. Uh, they've been doing that pretty well all season long, and Ottawa is just struggling to put touchdowns on the board at times. So uh, I'm going to take the under on this as well and the Alouettes. So I believe we're agreeing on this particular game make that down there perfect all right let's move on to our fantasy players to watch for this week in the cfl now again this is another thing with where we're at at this point in the season i mean i've you've heard me mention names every single week and throw out stats and a lot of these stats aren't changing from week to week so we're gonna go position by position uh i'll also fully admit I'm on, I've been on vacation the past couple of days and haven't exactly invested as much time as normal into filling out the stats uh, on these. So we're going to, a lot of these, I do have some stats for some of them, but a lot of these uh, players are also, I'm just going to give you my off the top uh, first thought, thoughts on these players as we run through them. So we will start off with the uh, quarterback position because uh, that's one of the most crucial to pick here in fantasy. Um, and I'll just to give you a quick run through of what uh, what I'm thinking here among these quarterbacks. You know, you've got VA, you've got Zach Caleros, the, the two most expensive ones. Uh, it, it could be a high-scoring matchup. I think maybe people would be deciding between them as probably two of the top options. I like Vernon Adams more at $14,000. Uh, he does have three or more touchdown passes in his last seven games. He's averaged 25 fantasy points in his last three. 
and really the rushing ability puts him over the top for me over Caleros. I, I, I think both of them could throw three plus touchdowns. I think both of them will probably throw a pick or two in this game, but I think VA not uh, has a greater chance of a rushing touchdown and rushing ability. Fajardo's got a great matchup against Ottawa, uh, but really didn't do much with it last week. So uh, I'm not banking on him to put up a big total this week. Chad Kelly, any of the Argos quarterbacks, you don't know what load management's going to look like. And if they're going to play the full game, I don't think we can rely on any of them. Uh, similarly, Hamilton's quarterbacks, I'm a bit iffy to go that direction. Uh, you know, Matt Schultz, Bo Levi Mitchell, who's the starter and how long is the leash if they struggle early in this game and the backup comes in? I'm not loving that situation a ton there. Uh, Fantasy-wise, uh, Dustin Crum against Montreal, tempting based on his rushing ability, but uh, also didn't put up a great passing total, and I think just nine fantasy points against the same team last week. Montreal shuts other teams down in the passing game pretty well. The other two options, other than VA, I kind of like and I'm considering this week. One is Trey Ford at $10,000. He is averaging the most points per game in the CFL with 21.6 on the season. Uh, No games under 15 points yet this year, which is really the target value you're looking for at his price. Also, Edmonton needs to keep their slim playoff chances alive, and they are the first game of the week. So, you know, if it's a dire situation, I think Ford's just going to take the ball and try to run with it to pick up the first down if he needs to keep them in the game, right? It seems to be what he seems to be that kind of mentality of a quarterback that that will take the game upon himself uh, there. And the other one, this up, this one's for you, Adam. Jake Dolagala at ten thousand dollars is tempting. Uh, because he's averaged more pass attempts than anyone else uh, in his last three games. Uh, the Ticats also allow 17.9 fantasy points per game to starting quarterbacks. That's a pretty good total there. And I think he normally has a potential for a couple of touchdown passes. But he's also thrown a couple more interceptions, so that puts him a little lower on, on my rankings here for this week as well. That's how I see the quarterback landscape for Week 18. What about you? Any any big names, big differences there? No, pretty well what exactly you said. Uh, I wanted to take Jake Dolagala for this week once again. I will in our uh, private fantasy league because, yeah, why not? Because uh, I don't want to take Jake Mayer because I think he's uh, off this week. That would make no sense. So I'm going to take him there, but I'm going to actually take Trey Ford on my uh, CFL fantasy. Uh, for the same reasons you said, uh, it's a win, must-win game. It's a big game, and if he doesn't, they're out. I think that this kid might just be step, uh, could step up in a big game. So, yeah, I'll take Trey Ford. He might get me some pretty decent points. And if nothing else, rushing yards are pretty good also for uh, quarterbacks. So, All right, let's talk running backs here. And, you know, a couple of names. Again, the best matchup is always whoever's playing the Edmonton Elks. Unfortunately, it's the Argos this week. And how much is Ouellette going to play? How much is McMahon could be a, a cheap value play there for you? But are you going to invest $11,000 in Ouellette when last week he was the starter but played only a couple of snaps? That's risky to me. Uh, so I don't like that play there. Um, you know, Calgary's running backs, thankfully, are on a buy, so we don't have to worry about that situation. 
I believe Jamal Morrow is going to be back for Saskatchewan this week. Looks like he's been practicing fully. Uh, he does come in at $9,000. I think that could be an intriguing play uh, potentially against the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats there. I'm just trying to find his recent numbers here for you. Jamal Morrow, uh, you know, does have 10 plus fantasy points in five of his last six games. So there's consistency there, but he's probably not going to put up a massive total for you. Um, other options I look at around the board, Taquan Mazel, that one's out for me. He's been shut down in both games by the Bombers. They normally shut other teams' running backs down. William Stanback, that one's a maybe for me. Uh, you know, the last two weeks he's he's looked good and he's getting more rushes, but his totals are still kind of touchdown dependent there. Uh, I guess everybody's uh, kind of are. So I, I'm not high. Let me just go to the three names that I think are the leading candidates here for me at running back. Uh, and that would be the first one has to be the guy that Adam just said is the future at running back for the Ottawa Red Blacks, and that's Devontae Williams at 9,000. 19 or more fantasy points in three of his last four games. He's only got, he only had seven carries last week, but nine targets uh, against this same Montreal team, and the Alouettes give up 14.9 starting running backs. Second worst in the league. So I think Devontae Williams is a home run play. And I have to include him in the list because he saved my fantasy season in one of our leagues this week. Uh, thank you, Devontae Williams, for that. Brady Oliveira, also $13,400, 23-plus fantasy points in four of his last five games. Five games over 100 yards rushing in his last nine. Uh, yeah, he's got, you know, some of the most elite totals you're going to get out of running back week after week. The interesting thing, though, that those 100-yard rushing games in four of his last, or in five of his last nine, I don't think maybe one of them was on the road. Most of them come at home. He does struggle a little bit more on the road, which is where he is this week. So I'm not as high on it at, at the price, I will admit there. Uh, but I think he's still got a good chance at a big total. And James Butler has been disappointing in his last five games, averaging just 10 fantasy points there. But he's averaging 15.5 carries per game in his last seven. And the Riders have struggled to stop the run, although they did a decent job against Mizell last week. Only other name I don't think I've talked about here is Kevin Brown uh, against the Argos. And... Yeah, I think that one, I think I would throw him into consideration as well. He's explosive. He puts up a lot of yards. I think some of his touchdowns could get stolen. But if you're in a situation where Toronto is playing backup quarterbacks and maybe not moving the ball down the field as much, maybe there's more time for Edmonton's offense to be out there uh, and, and Kevin Brown there. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think for me, it's it's a toss-up between Williams, Oliveira, Butler, and Brown probably this week with maybe some value plays depending on the um, depth charts that come out. What do you think, Adam? Well, McMahon in uh, Toronto was interesting me for a while, but I got so much fantasy dollars to use. I can spend it in a pretty well anywhere else and make a little bit more sense in my opinion. Uh, just because, again, it could get split between McMahon, it could, Ouellette, and uh, 
I know there's a third guy there as well in Toronto that they seem to be pretty high on as well. So you could really split up your uh, reps there, and that could mess with you quite a bit. It's kind of the reason why we, nobody really wants to really play Kadeem Carey or Diedrich Mills as much as they used to because there's two guys in Calgary. So that's why I don't really like any of the Toronto options. Uh, who I've got right now is James Butler. Uh, reason being is Saskatchewan's D-line has been pretty poor lately. And uh, James Butler still gets a lot of uh, option uh, opportunity to carry the football. So that's one of my options for sure. The other one is Brady Oliveira. If Winnipeg's going to win that game on uh, Friday night, it's going to be on the hands of number uh, 20. It's simple as that. If the, if he gets a good game running, he's going to have a – the Winnipeg's going to have a good game. Uh, so I think Brady Oliveira is going to have a good game. Uh, and the other one that I've got here is Devontae Williams. He's been pretty solid lately, and I really have been liking his play. Uh, he keeps running up and downhill pretty easily and seems to find those holes very easily uh, in a Montreal defense in which they really got to stop letting that happen. Uh, so those are my three picks. I was debating putting Jamal Morrow on my list, but I don't know. I just Saskatchewan again could be one of those teams that again now that Philip Blake is back, they do have the option of playing Frankie Hickson uh and actually playing him. So they could start splitting reps up in Saskatchewan there as well. Uh, especially if Jamal Morrow isn't quite hundred percent yet. Uh so that's why I kind of kept Jamal Morrow off my list. See what they do this week and then next week against Calgary, who traditionally Jamal Morrow really carves up. Uh We'll see how they do this week and then see what goes for next week. So, Yeah, and Deontay McMahon, I would strongly actually consider for a value play at 2,500, depending what the depth chart looks like. Even if he's listed as the backup, I'd almost be tempted to take that and then stack my money elsewhere at receiver. I, I, I don't put together a full lineup before doing these shows. Like I go through the options and, and talk about them, but then kind of start building my lineup afterwards. So... Uh, I don't know how many dollars I'm going to have left over, but if I if it lets me stack a good lineup elsewhere, uh, because a lot of these running backs I talked about, I see flaws in them. Whereas where Devonte Williams is probably the only one I'm a sure lock into my lineup. Yeah, I would consider taking a value play on McMahon at 2,500 and hoping he gets a couple of reps at, at a minimum in this game. Let's talk wide receivers now uh, and go through the list. Now, this is one where I don't have any any stats uh, fully documented here. Oh, I do have my stats sheets up to scroll through for you here as well. Um, I'll go team by team quickly, give you the overview there. I mean, BC last week, Dominic Rimes came back in, did get nine targets for them there. And the question was, is that going to eat in? Whose, whose targets is that going to take away? And didn't take away Keon Hatchers. He had 13 targets, 10 catches, 172 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Hollins put up 24 points of his own, but only off four targets and two touchdowns. I think I still like keep trotting. I, I want to keep putting Keon Hatcher out there potentially as a lineup option. I, I think he's a great discount that you can get at $12,400 for just the talent that he brings. Uh, to the lineup and I know he got a bunch of targets last time out against Winnipeg as well so I really like Keon Hatcher still as a potential option uh let's see Calgary's on the bye 
Edmonton, it's tempting. They play Toronto. Toronto struggles against the pass, so there is room there. But Trey Ford doesn't attempt very many passes in a game. So most of these guys, you know, you're getting, what, three targets, four targets a game. Uh, and that, to me, is numbers that scare me because if they don't include a big player or a touchdown, it's an underwhelming week. The one I would maybe consider uh, in that is Kyron Moore uh, at uh, right wide out. Uh, seven targets and nine targets in his last two games. He gets those dump-off passes, and he's playing Toronto. They give up 12.7 to the position there. So if anybody on the Elks, it's Kyron Moore but probably staying away from their receivers this week. Uh, I'll go through Hamilton here next, and then I'll take a break and uh, have you weigh in on some options here for you, Adam. Um, Hamilton, it, it's a toss-up every week. Are you going to go Terry Godwin or are you going to go Tim White? Normally I want one of those guys in my lineup, and I think it is Tim White this week at 12,000. He uh, last week put up 18.6 once again. He had 96 and a touchdown. And also if Schultz is starting or if Bo Levi Mitchell is starting, I feel like early in the season they both favored Tim White on, on big deep passes uh, for big yardage there. And that is what I like to see. Um I think he's got the big play potential to, if you put him in your lineup, he could be a weak winner for you uh, to have Tim White in there. So he would probably be the Ty Cats receiver of recommendation here for me. Uh, I've talked for a while in a row here. Adam, what do you think at wide receiver for some of these uh, or any of the teams around the league? Well, I'll try to talk a few of the teams that you haven't yet. Um, Toronto side, I'm looking at uh, probably I'm still looking at Devontae Coxie. Yes, he gets a few balls thrown at him. I don't know if I would really take him right now. But again, who do you take in Toronto? Somebody will get the football a little bit there. Uh, Devontae Coxie had a reasonable week last week. Uh, same thing also. Brissett was in there. Uh, there's a few other pieces in uh, in Toronto that maybe you might want to take a look at. Neal is another one as well. Still only three and a half thousand. He's been playing a few, uh, getting his reps in there as well. Uh, so there's pieces in Toronto to work with. But again, you got to remember, you're also dealing with backup quarterbacks, and that's always a little bit of a risky situation, right? So keep that in mind with Toronto. Uh, Montreal, uh, what I'm looking at there actually is, uh, I think it is Tyler Speaker, if I'm not mistaken. I really like his. Uh, cool Tyler Speaker. Speaker. Sorry. Cole Speaker. I or are you talking about speaker. Tyler Sneed? No, no, Cole Speaker. I'm talking about the right one. Uh, because Montreal actually had his name bar spelt wrong for half the season and finally fixed it here uh, the other day. Uh, I finally see that they fixed that. Uh, either that or Fantasy had it right the whole time. and or had well, it wrong Fantasy the whole didn't time. even have him as an available option to pick for like five straight weeks. So Well, fair enough. So, uh because I know that Montreal had it down as speaker for as in like what a car speaker is. And apparently that's not the right spelling. So whoops. Great. Anyways, I really liked his play in the last few games. Uh, has really made it kind of been a deeper target for Cody Fajardo. So I do like him in there. Uh, used to always say Austin Mack, but actually uh, Montreal's gotten some other pieces around uh, Fajardo, which is great. Uh, one of those also is Tyson Philpole. I mean, every week it seems like he gets at least a touchdown. He gets some good yardage. 
Uh, he'd be a good pickup as well. Uh, fairly reasonable. I think he's six and a half thousand uh, for uh, that as well. So, so I wouldn't mind him as well if you were looking at that one. And on the last game for Saskatchewan, I mean, I would probably play Mitchell Pickton. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to say Mitchell Pickton anymore. Uh, there's three guys in Saskatchewan, right? Everybody knows this right now. Uh, it's either Tevin Jones, it's either Samuel Emelis, or you can probably even take a chance with Keon Schaefer-Baker. Uh, I don't know how much of a chance I'd take on that one there, uh, just because I don't know. Uh, he, he can't. I don't know. It just can't seem to get anything going uh, early in the season. And yeah, or early in the season, he didn't get a training camp in. It just seems like it kind of was kind of a, maybe a lost season for Keon Schaefer-Baker. Uh, the other one would be Sean Bain Jr. He does get some reps in Saskatchewan, does get some uh, targets, but nowhere near is what probably Tevin Jones and MLS get. Uh, those are your big playmakers. So those are ones I'd look at uh, if I was looking at any Rough Riders. The guys I do have, though, is uh, Keon Hatch, or Hatcher, and I do have... Uh, sorry, just telling me that I closed off. I did take Cole Speaker as well for the Alouettes. Yeah, just to touch on a couple of things there. Yeah, Tommy Neald for the discount play is probably the only Argos receiver I'm taking right now, just with the unknowns there. Dejan Brissett's looked good in the last two weeks, but it's, it's been hard all season to figure out who's going to be leading the way for Toronto. Uh, you touched on Montreal. If Austin Mack is going to be healthy and ready to go, there's no injury report yet because the game's Monday. Uh, but he sat out last week, and they struggled in the passing game against an Ottawa team they should have put up over 300 yards against. So, you know, how much of an impact does Mack make there in his last three games? Or, yeah, in his last three games where he didn't get ejected, eight targets, 10 targets, and 13 targets in, in that span. So, you know, he's Fajardo's go-to guy, but I also like the value play of Tyson Philpot uh, because in the last three weeks, he's put up 25.5, 12.7, and 13.1 fantasy points, uh, two touchdowns, and a couple of big plays as well in the past couple of weeks there. Seems like he's uh, kind of, you know, got that potential to easily oversell his value. Uh, what other teams are you talking about? You talked about the Riders here. I wholeheartedly disagree with you on Keon Schaefer-Baker, actually, because in his last two games, he's had eight targets, seven catches for 76 and a touchdown, and 12 targets, nine catches for 104. So he's had 20 targets in his last two games. Uh, and 31 in his last four. Uh, so I think he's Dolagala, one of Dolagala's go-to guys. Again, it's hard to pick him versus all the other th ones in, that you mentioned in the lineup, but if is throwing 38 passes a game, yeah, some of them are still going to go his way, uh, and he's $6,000 and half the price of Bain and at, and Jones, etc. So I still really like Schaefer Baker as a cheaper value play here. My my only real reason for not picking him is touchdowns. I don't think he's had any, has he? He, he got one last, not this past week, the week before. Okay. Maybe I'm a little and did get a couple of looks near the end zone in the banjo bowl, but they weren't able to connect on those. 
the riders uh, weren't saying nothing hurting an agile pull. Yeah, no, I don't even know if they showed up. So um they went to Calgary instead of Winnipeg. <laughs> Whoops, wrong way. Uh any other Ottawa wide receivers here? We haven't talked about Ottawa. I don't think we've talked about Winnipeg yet. Ottawa, I really like the value play here as well for forty one hundred dollars. I think it is a Braylon Addison. <laughs> uh this week because he's gotten uh going a little bit in the last two games as well 15 and 16.4 fantasy points in his last two games nine targets 94 yards on seven catches for him last game uh that is the numbers we like to see from a guy like braylon addison here uh and we'll see if he continues to get more involved in the rematch there and on the Winnipeg side, oh, Winnipeg, I, I never get the wide receiver right, it seems like, for them there. And I think it's probably got to be Dalton Schoen. Uh, he's expensive, um, but, you know, $13,500. But he's got three straight games over 100 yards. He's got uh, three games this year of multiple touchdowns, and he's got 19 targets in his last two games. So I think he's getting the, the lion's share, uh, no pun intended, given their opponent of targets. And I'm pretty sure he torched the the Lions last time out when they, they faced each other there uh, for 30 points uh, in that game. So I'm done picking Kenny Lawler. I, I took him last week. You know, he, he'll get his seven, eight targets a game, but catch two of them because all Caleros does is throw the ball up in hopes that Lawler brings it down. And a lot of times it's just not able to bring it down uh, because of tight coverage. So uh I think shown if those targets hit, uh, uh, the targets are more likely to hit and he's more likely to bring you big points with those. Don't know if I've had him in a lineup this year, but considering it this week, I think that's all we've got for wide receivers, unless you have any other ones you wanted to mention out there, but I think you covered uh, kind of what direction you were looking at. Let's talk everybody's favorite topic. It's the defenses uh, for fantasy football. Uh, what direction are you leaning for a defense this week? Well, I mean, I've done it now for the last three weeks or four weeks, and namely because I'm being cheap. And also this week, I think actually it might be a legitimate play. Uh, I'm going to take Saskatchewan's defense. Uh, they aren't really known as a big team for offensive plays other than uh, Tim White. Hamilton, and if it's Paul Levi Mitchell back there, that rider defense could potentially feast. So it's a cheap play. It's a decent play for my I'm thinking this week. Uh, and again, I never spend money on defense because, again, I think it, defenses are for championships unless you're playing fantasy football. Uh, they should be the new sayings, right? Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go with the riders defense. Uh, looking at last week for defenses, there was one team that scored big. The next highest was seven points, but the Montreal Alouettes put up 14 points on the Red Blacks off of uh, five sacks, two interceptions, two fumble recoveries, and only giving up 15 points allowed. Again, they shut opposing teams down. I think the Alouettes are a defense, probably my leading candidate at $8,200 to, to pick this week. Uh, I, I like that matchup there. But, uh, you know, if you need a value play, go the Riders defense at $5,100 uh, because that saves you a ton of money and defenses normally don't deliver a ton there. 
All right. Speaking of fantasy football, before we wrap things up, let's get uh, let's talk a little bit about our uh, fantasy league results and matchups and all that fun stuff. I'm just trying to find. There it is. I think that's what I needed. Uh, that's not what I opened at all. Uh, there we go. On my other screen here to find the results for our uh, CFC draft league. Uh, Adam, you had the top score for the second straight week, 120.9 points. How are you feeling about this week's performance? Well, I'm pretty happy with it. I mean, Tyson Philpo gave me some good points to start it up, and it just went and kept going from there. Um, but, I mean, again, when you got Renny Paredes as your kicker, you can do amazing things. So just keep having to go and give that a uh, little bit of a uh, knife twist to Trey. Other than that... Uh, yeah, it's been a good week so far for me. Jake Dolagala did have some good points at the end of the week for me. And, of course, Devontae uh, Williams had some good points uh, as a running back as well for me. So, really, overall, it's just a really good week. Uh, hey, I still have an opportunity to catch Trey, and that's my goal right now, and I'm sticking to it. You have made up a ton of ground on him in the last couple of weeks. Uh, also, your highest scoring player of the week, the Alouette's defense, because we count defensive touchdowns. So you got 26 points out of your defense this week. 45 points out of the defense and special teams. Uh, if they would wow. count that in CFL uh, fantasy, I'd actually pick a defense. <laughs> well, you have to. They force you to. Uh, Mike had the second highest score at 103.9. Uh, Keon Hatcher and Brady Oliveira, huge weeks for him there. I had 93.9 Vernon Adams throwing uh, 450 yards, helped with that. 31.6 points there from him. Uh, rough week for Team Trey, 55.2 points for him this week. Uh, in our uh, podcast network league, we're playing against other podcast hosts for charity. Uh, the winner is going to get a donation to charity of their choice. Uh, we had the quarterfinals this week. Unfortunately, you and Trey did not make the, to the playoffs, but uh, I did manage to lock down the first overall in the standings, and I'm lucky with the matchup I got because I had the second lowest score of the week uh, uh, at, I think, like 81 points or something like that, 81.9, but I managed to win by seven. So literally any other matchup, I would have been lost and been out of the playoffs but I do advance off to the semifinals in this week, and I'll be playing Safamod from the Piffles podcast. Uh, so make sure you check out their great show as well. Uh, Steph from the Ghost Stamps Go Show and the fellows from the X's and Argos podcast, the other semifinal matchup there. Make sure you check out all those other great podcasts also. So this so this means you don't have to try to lose to Superfan Mike this year? Thankfully not. No, you got eliminated in the playoffs now already, too. Crazy crazy times we're living in, man. I feel and meanwhile, like my, I get 134 points, and I'm never ready. We're near the playoffs now. I feel like my first-round matchup luck uh, is a bit of karma for how I went out of the playoffs last year with the terrible luck in that sense. Uh, over in our Discord League, playing against other members of our Discord community, same thing, into the playoffs. Neither you or I made it. Trey didn't make it either. Mike was the lone representative of the podcast. And he came so close. But unfortunately, he did lose by three points this week. Discord user sandwiches. 
Uh, in the other matchup, uh, Chappie beating Brandon uh, by a couple of points there as well. So semifinal matchup, FM Fan 2014 facing off against fifth place Chappie uh, and Josh M facing off against Sandwiches. We've got no skin in the game here, Adam. We're out. We just get to enjoy some fun trash talk in the Discord channels uh, over the next couple of uh, days and, and weeks here. Uh, should be I'm, I'm just amazed that they actually, yeah, they not only that, they're taking this seriously. I mean, there's betting odds on who's going to win this uh matchup this week. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, the CFC uh, Sportsbook, um, kudos to the Discord community as well that none of the four of us made it to the semifinals via in, in our league there because we've got some very good fantasy players playing alongside of us. where you know, yeah. maybe the winner needs to come host an episode of this show in our place. We could use the if anybody wants to take over. I mean, my spot's always here. <laughs> and they can run the whole show for the week. Uh, I'll, I'll take another vacation. Um, maybe that's not a, a well-advised idea. I don't know. Uh, what could go wrong, right? Ah, I could be exactly. replaced permanently. For, for sure. I mean, I could use the break. <laughs> long season, long season, but fun season. Uh, it is week 18 in the CFL and CFL Fantasy, which means, Adam, you actually do have stuff to play for this week because you've made it to the Champions League uh, in the official CFL Fantasy site. Uh, I did not qualify, and I'm a little bitter about that. I, no weeks at the, at the very top. Just strong performances, but not at the top. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I've never seen how this works yet, so uh, it'll be very interesting to see how I do, and uh, that's that's what's making me go and get some better scores here to practice up a little bit. So hopefully I can repeat like last week and uh, get a reasonably good score and go from there, uh, depending exactly who I pick here. Um, right now, I hope I got a pretty good fantasy lineup, but I might be tweaking a little bit more just in case, you know, I can win those tickets to the Grey Cup. Hey, that would be pretty sweet. Uh, and I will live vicariously through you in this Champions League. Uh, best of luck to you and all any of our listeners who made that. Uh, all right, let's get into wrapping up the show here today. Uh, and I will put that up on the screen. Uh, so we will be back again next week. Same time, same place. Week 19 preview. We'll do all the same fun things. Also, let us know what you thought of this format where we kind of bounced around in different games with the storylines and stuff. Uh, also, try to have fantasy stats a little more prepared and not try to scroll through them on the fly uh, as we go through that segment. Uh, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at CFCountdownPod on Facebook, uh, Facebook.com slash CFCountdownPod there as well. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CooperTrooper42. Mike is at Mike Garrell. Trey is at Trey Harness Link. Adam, what do you all have going on these days? Well, it's going to be a lot of senior hockey starting pretty soon. Uh, that's about a month away, but we've got uh, some, uh, what do you call, practices going to be going on pretty soon. Uh, we've got a bunch of other little things going on around there. So if you want to go and follow me along at Adam Stewart one uh, you'll probably find a little bit more about senior hockey right there. And, of course, I'm probably going to take a little bit of a razzing from Trey for going and uh, bugging him in a two seconds. But you could find Trey probably crying in the corner right now on X uh, because his Blue Jays are out. Uh, if you take a look at Trey Harness Link, 
uh yeah you can find them over there probably willowing in blue tears ripped the ripped all the blue jays hopes and dreams uh, there was a lot of hype a lot there's of hype. a lot of hype man a lot of hype always is but uh well on the bright side for all the Toronto fans, your team's probably going to win the Great Cup this year. So at least you get one championship. Well, you know, you know you're not going to win that little silver trophy that's uh looks like a Stanley Cup. And uh, yeah, we know that you won't win the baseball one. But hey, hope's eternal. You guys are like Ryder fans. Keep sticking with your teams. They need the money. For sure. Uh, reminder, check out the Discord community as well if you are interested in getting access to additional content there and chatting with us throughout the week. Uh, and whatever podcast platform you're listening on, we appreciate if you do all the fun things such as like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. We always appreciate that. Thanks for everybody who joined us live and the comments along the way in the chat here tonight. Also, thanks if you're listening after the fact. And just a general happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, Enjoy Thanksgiving weekend, and we will be back again next week. Uh, On behalf of Adam, I'm Ryan saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.